The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome back into the podcast that we like to call the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I hope everybody is enjoying their 2022. It is Saturday, January 1st. Hope everybody had a fantastic New Year's Eve. Well, let's get things going. We're going to kick things off with Ron Kopp, Matt Stagner. It's the Out of Structure podcast. They're going to talk about the guys who stepped up for the shorthanded Chiefs last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. After that, around the 14 and a half minute mark, of course, it's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. Have your marinated takeaways from that very same Pittsburgh Steelers game. Then we'll take a quick time out, and when we get back, you'll hear from the Great British Chiefs Show. That's going to be around the 28 minute mark as they take our first deep dive at the Cincinnati Bengals. After that, we'll head into Show and BK, where me, Brandon Kylie, and Run the Show Hughley. Talk about this ridiculous Mahomes versus Joe Burrow debate that's been circulating all throughout this week. That's going to be around the 42 and a half minute mark. And then we'll wrap things up with ESPN NFL insider Mike Tannenbaum, who sat down with Pete Sweeney earlier this week to discuss playoff threats that the Chiefs need to be a little bit worried about. That's going to be around the 55 minute mark. Again, out of structure, editors, Great British Chief Show, Show and BK. And Pete Sweeney's interview with Mike Tannenbaum. Let's head to Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner. My main takeaway from that takeaway, that snap count takeaway, is that it shows you how how rested the defensive starters, I guess just all the starters, the offense too, but not to the extent of the, of the defense, how much rest the starters got. A guy like Frank Clark played 40% of the snaps, uh, the lowest among all the, the starters. You know, A guy like Chris Jones couldn't didn't even play 50% of the snaps. And, and that's another thing, too. I say Chris Jones, he didn't play against the Chargers because of COVID. You know, not to make light of COVID or anything, because, hey, getting it could impact them a lot more um, than than any sort of, you know, uh, playing games and kind of getting banged up in that way in terms of, like, your respiratory system and stuff. But the COVID all of a sudden, maybe it gave a guy like Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey a necessary rest week late in the season, right? A guy like Chris Jones... That that whole that sh- on a short week that wear and tear you get on your body from a, a tough physical overtime Thursday night win, he didn't have that, and and then all of a sudden Travis Kelsey, who we know has been banged up all year in terms of being you know hammered at the line of scrimmage, you know, in press coverage and 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 just defenses taking shots at him, 
he didn't have to go through that against Pittsburgh, right? So all of a sudden, you know, the, these kind of these 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 kind of absences, and then just this blowout in general, this team's getting getting quite a bit of rest, especially because they just had a ten day uh, rest period between games too. This team should be pretty dang fresh going into the postseason, outside of some injuries that we'll we'll touch on a little bit. Ron always able to make a negative into a positive. Like that, looking at the bright side of things, even when it comes to COVID, even if it comes to players missing. But I think it's a good point, and you you want to be as fresh and as healthy as you can be going into the playoffs. And you also want to have your depth playing at a high level. And and I think that's the other valuable point is when some of your key players are missing, it gives opportunities for others to step up, get some snaps get into the flow of the game and be ready when their numbers called later in the season. One guy who we've always had in that category is Chad Henney, who, you know, when he's a, he's been called upon in the past, he's made some huge plays for this team. Uh, this week he got in there and got to knock some of the rust off with a couple of quick fumbles, uh, but getting that out of the way before the playoff run, I'll take that as a positive. So you're right. I think this looks like a fresh team and a team that's building up their depth for the playoff. Yeah, exactly. No, this, this depth right now, it's something that I was a little worried about on this defense. I think it was one way to kind of maybe blame what was happening early in the season with the defenses. Hey, they're not a deep team. They need their starters in the game. Right. And if they don't have all their starters, it becomes a huge weakness. Well, I think they did disprove that a little bit this week, especially the chargers game. Maybe not because you know, the, the defense had probably their worst game of the, of the winning stretch um, without, three of their best players um, missing Nick Bolton and Rashad Fenton though. That, those are two key players as well. And they still stepped up and held Pittsburgh to no points until like what the, the late third quarter Mike Tomlin kicks a field goal down 30 to nothing. I thought that was a little funny, um, but yeah, what well, just, just a great game for the overall team and just a great confidence booster. Like you said, for the depth guys who are going to have to be important, man, you never know who's going to have to step up and make a, make big plays down the stretch of the season. Somebody who's buried on the depth chart and has been since his rookie season actually played the most snaps uh, of his career since 2018. Dorian O'Daniel showed up on the broadcast with a highlight reel hit. He tallied 22 snaps on defense. Again, that's the most since his rookie season of 2018. I'm not sure we can read too much into this because the team has just flatly refused to play him on defense this far in his career. They've done everything they could to replace him and play everybody else but him on defense. But man, I, I feel like the guy shows up whenever he gets a whenever he gets a chance. Yeah. So that's the thing with Dorian O'Daniel is that, like I just mentioned, man, you never know when depth's going to need to be tested. And he hasn't played much defense at all since 2018, since that first year of Patrick Mahomes, where you know you remember plays like him blowing up Joe Mixon in the flat on Sunday Night Football. And you're like, yeah, what happened to that? And who knows, man, with COVID and with injuries, you know, late in the season, he needs to be ready to step up if something crazy happens. And and this was a, a good sign for him to be able to play 22 snaps and, and you know, get some confidence in him in terms of playing within the defense. Uh, so, yeah, for Dorian O'Daniel, you know, it was good to see him, especially in a contract year, too. You know, he, he wants to get paid after this year by somebody. So maybe some of these garbage time uh, highlight reels can can get him some money. Well, actually, that leads us nicely into this question uh, from Errors Oceans. Who is putting themselves in in the position to be a potentially surprise contributor in the playoffs? And I, whenever this question comes up, I, I think it's a good one because 
it does get you thinking about some of these depth players, some of these more bottom of the roster type players who every time you've seen a championship team, every time you've seen the story of the Patriots on their run or any other uh, championship team, there's always an unheralded player or two that makes a play, maybe even in the Super Bowl, that nobody saw coming. So who do you think um, is going to be the unpredictable uh, surprise contributor for the Chiefs coming down the stretch? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's say one offense and one defense just to have a little fun with it a little more. Um, we can start on offense and we just talked about it a little bit. But, you know, in terms of surprise, because I think it's kind of tough with this offense. There's a lot of guys that probably have to step up and won't be much of a surprise. But I think Noah Gray could really be a guy that that steps up and becomes the solidified tight end, too. And, you know, with his receiving upside, we you know, we've seen it in spurts this year. You know, maybe he can get open on a crucial play on a third down. Maybe he can, you know, in the red zone, you know, make a, a spectacular catch when when Mahomes, you know, uh, desperately throws one in traffic. I mean, he, he could be a guy that he just has more receiving upside than Blake Bell. So it's good that the Chiefs are trusting him more and more to play more than Blake Bell because I do think, you know, when he's in the game rather than Bell, if there is something that breaks down, if there is a play where Mahomes has to kind of just make something out of nothing, I do think Gray's a better option to make that play happen on the other end and, and bell, maybe not as much. So it, it, it's cool to see Greg uh, continue to play well. And in the postseason, you know, he, he could make a big play out of nowhere for sure. Yeah. Again, he was somebody that we were excited about in the preseason and, you know, he, he is a, somebody who could turn into a playmaker uh, down the road. Don't take anything away from Blake bell though. The quarterback sneak specialist. Uh, we, we hope to see more of that play. Uh, in the future, and and not Mahomes uh, uh, taking those hits. Uh, the belldozer has his role. I think both of those guys are key role players. I'm going to go with what I think is the obvious answer to this question, and it's the same answer I've been giving all season that everybody's been asking about all season that we've been waiting for forever, and we might be waiting for it forever going forward. But uh, Josh Gordon has has really become a starter on this team. Uh, if if not by production, at least by snaps and and uh, you know the timing of those snaps, he's done what you'd want to see a player do to put themselves in position to make a to make an impact. He's on the field. He's got a good attitude. He's blocking. He's running routes. Uh, he's stayed healthy. He's kept his head in the game. He's done everything that you'd want him to do, except for actually make plays on the field. So Josh Gordon is still my sleeper. I write that uh, piece for Airhead Pride every week uh, about market movers, and I have to pick a sleeper. I've picked him probably eight or nine times so far this season, and, and it's it is not over yet. Uh, he is still the sleeper on this team. He's still the one receiver that uh, we have yet to see break out that, that actually still could. I think we know what we're getting from McCole Hardman going forward. Uh, he's a gadget player that, you know, they'll scheme something up for him and, and he'll make a play now and then. You know, I think now what you've got in Byron Pringle and and he's more of a reliable receiver, uh, somebody who I'll argue with you a little bit earlier. You questioned his hands. I think he has the occasional concentration drop, but he's got very strong hands when it comes to snatching the ball out of the air and pulling it away from defenders and holding onto the ball and taking a big hit. And so 
Byron Pringle, again, I think you know who he is and what role he's going to play. Obviously, you know who Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are. The only unknown left, the only guy yet to break out that could be a complete surprise out of left field, teams have completely forgotten that he exists, uh, has to be Josh Gordon. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but he's he's the one that would come out of left field and, and would be fun to watch. Yeah, you're right. It would be a surprise, uh, especially because, you know, before this game, I think you could make the excuse that Gordon just hasn't really gotten many opportunities um, in terms of like the ball actually getting thrown to him in advantageous situations. Well, I think he had a few chances against the Steelers, right? Um, He had three targets. I remember specifically two of them where I came away thinking, Man, he he could have caught that, and and I guess that's a snap count takeaway we didn't look at. But Gordon did only have eight snaps in this game, um, in total, and so he had three targets on those eight snaps, and so it seemed like he was getting involved in the offense more. But he just didn't make the plays, and so that's why you're right. It will still be a surprise if he if he you know turns it on in the postseason because he's still not just he's still not you know hasn't done anything still as a chief. You know he had the one touchdown which was an easy pass to him from the one yard line. So yeah, it would be a surprise. It would I didn't definitely realize, be I didn't realize it was only eight snaps this week. In previous weeks, he's gotten, you know, the starter reps, yeah. the, first, the first team snaps, the first uh, series snaps, you know, and has been on the field throughout, even though he was fairly invisible. So I, I wonder if the team is starting to change their philosophy on him or if it was just a little bit of a game plan thing, but either way, you know, uh, all, all we're missing from him is production. We'll we'll see, we'll see if we ever get it. Uh, who's well, your? Go ahead. Well, yeah, but that is the thing. Like he, even though he had loads of snaps, he had them probably. I think the probably the most targets he's seen in, as a chief yet. So it, it is kind of a, a weird thing where yeah, he didn't have the snaps like he usually does, but it did seem like Mahomes was attempting him in more you know significant situations more this game than he was before. Yeah, a couple of those plays would have been spectacular catches had he made them. They were jump ball type situations. But that's exactly why you bring in a Josh Gordon in the first place is a jump ball specialist at at minimum. So uh yeah, we'll see what happens there. What what about on defense? Who's your who's your sleeper on defense? Yeah, it's Turk Wharton. Interior defensive lineman. We saw him have a really good rookie year last year. Um, and and so he's a guy that I think is starting to turn it on recently. You're starting to see him flash more and more like he did his rookie year. It seemed like he flashed every game in his rookie season. Not the case as much this year. He did get a sack in this game. Got a few uh, other pressures against the Chargers. I remember that they, there were a few, you know, significant pressures. So, yeah, I really like what I'm seeing from Turk. And, and I feel like on he could be a guy that, you know, all of a sudden the playoffs has, you know, multiple sacks and, and we're remembering, oh, yeah, that guy, he was a he was a great, elect, you know, electric guy from the interior that we were all excited about. And for most of the season, we kind of forgot about him rightfully. But I think right now he's heating up. Yeah, I was a little down on him earlier in the season, but he had he has come on as of late and, and could be a sleeper. Uh, my sleeper on the defense uh, is is, you know, right down the line from him. Also on the interior, Jaron Reed who's put together a number of strong performances, whether it shows up in the box score or not. This week actually got his hands on the football and had a shot to, to advance the ball a little bit, and I think he enjoyed that. Um, but Jaron Reed is is in the mix a lot, uh, and he gets those effort, those, those hustle, those power-type uh, sacks and, and tackles for loss. He's been on an, in on some turnovers as well, and if that continues the way that this defensive line is playing together, uh, I think you could see some more big plays from him 
as the playoff run goes. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up with some of our marinated takeaways. The game is two days old. These are world-famous takeaways, John. As you know, the Chiefs winning a blowout game, 36-10 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is your first marinated takeaway? Yeah, this one actually occurred to me um, after we started talking during the show here. Uh, it occurred to me several times during the game that Byron Pringle looked a lot like Travis Kelsey while he was playing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He, he, you know, went out there, caught balls, fought for extra yards, um, played like Kelsey did. And uh, that really struck me. I had never, you know, maybe it's just because Kelsey wasn't on the field and we were, you know, magically hoping that somebody would fill that role. But um, maybe he plays like this all the time and it just never strikes me that way. But it certainly struck me on Sunday that Pringle looked a lot like Travis Kelsey. And of course, that's a good thing. Um, But and obviously had the production to go with it. So, uh, you know, great, great performance from Byron Pringle on Sunday. I got something stemming off of Pringle. First Pringle touchdown, Patrick Mahomes had just, it seemed like an hour of time yeah. to find a receiver. <laughs> yeah. If you give Patrick Mahomes that much time, as long as these guys keep running, like Pringle did to his credit, he's learned that over the years, you're going to end up getting a touchdown eventually. And I, I think the greater point is about the offensive line and just the job they did on Sunday. If you go back to the press conferences after the game, this was something that I ended up asking Andy Reed about. And, and, you know, essentially he said it's a work, work in progress. And you could feel that Mahomes, I think is finally starting to have more confidence in the past pro. But I think parlayed with that is he is really beginning to click and learn where they're going to be and they're learning, I think where mm-hmm. he's going to be. And you're starting to see that old school vintage Mahomes where he's feeling comfortable enough to multiple times a game, do a little bit of the showcase throws. And yeah, we've seen a showcase throw here and there as the year has gone on. Not like we saw on Sunday where he was really, I think running a four quarter magician type of show and he's only going to do that if he's feeling comfortable and i just think the confidence in the offensive line is there and this is my first of my two-prong marinated takeaway i think if patrick mahomes is feeling like patrick mahomes again that is trouble for the afc oh absolutely yeah i completely agree and and i and i think you see that there are times where Mahomes stays in the pocket now where before he would have bailed and that he steps up in the pocket when he would have, would have bailed in the past. And we've been talking about it all year, you know, that Mahomes needs to learn how to be an effective pocket passer. And that starts with learning when it's appropriate to be in the pocket and when it's appropriate not to be in the pocket. And so we're seeing that progress in Mahomes and on Sunday, he did a terrific job of balancing the take what the defense gives you approach with those trademark things that have made him famous in his NFL career. This is the guy. Th- what we saw on Sunday is the guy that everybody in the league is scared to death to see. Bonus point on that, too. When you think about Tom Brady and his receivers over the years and in your brain, you're like, okay, well, there was Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski. 
Yeah, there was also Dion Branch and <laughs> Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. Right. This might be a glimpse into the future type of game where mm-hmm. you'll see different eras of Mahomes with different players. Stinks to say this, but Travis Kelsey is not going to play forever. There's going to be right. a new tight end that Mahomes mm-hmm. likes at some point. There'll be a new go-to receiver other than Tyreek Kill. We have not talked about this, but Tyreek Kill is going to be very difficult to pay along with Patrick Mahomes when yep. you have to talk about all the other mm-hmm. players. And so yeah. I thought this was a nice glimpse game where you got to see in a game where you didn't have Travis Kelsey, in a game where Tyreek Kill was just off the COVID list and he had some symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he wasn't fully 100%. Right. And he had to rely on other guys. And Mahomes, it took him a while this season to get there, but he looked just as good with this ragtag team of skill mm-hmm. position players. And so right. I, I just thought that was an as- impressive aspect to it as well. And that's part of, of him learning how to be more effective in the pocket too. You know, part of the reason that he's been so successful with Hill and Kelsey is that he has that relationship with them where they know where he expects them to go and vice yeah. versa. And so, uh, and, and, you know, you can't build that relationship with a whole bunch of players simultaneously. It takes some time. And, one of the nice things about what maybe the only nice thing about what's happened in the last 10 days at Arrowhead stadium is that the chiefs were forced to give those other receivers an opportunity, both in practice and in the game to work with Patrick Mahomes. And that's how they're going to develop those relationships. And, and it get and you're right. I think it gives us a glimpse of what the team could look like with Mahomes under center. Once those key players we have now are gone and they will be gone sooner or later. What's your next marinated takeaway, John? I think one of the other things we saw on Sunday is what happens when the chiefs really do emphasize running the ball. You know, they weren't terribly effective at it. You know, the, the yards per carry average was not very high, um, but they did run the ball. They stuck with running the ball and look what happened. Patrick Mahomes had a fantastic game because yeah. the the Steelers were forced to uh, to respect the running game. I mean, we weren't gashing them, you know, uh, and it'd be nice if we could gash them. That means they have to respect the run even more, maybe open up more deep plant, deep passing plays. But they stuck with it. They committed to it. And look what happened in the game. Now, in fairness, part of the reason that it worked out that way is because they had such a big lead, but you know, we've seen Andy Reed abandon the run, even when he's got a big, re- big lead. So I, I was glad to see that. You also saw a willingness for Patrick Mumps to check down to the backs. Yes. And if mm-hmm. he can get in the habit of knowing when to do that, get a little Alex Smith action in his game, yeah. mm-hmm. you're going to have to respect the deep ball uh, even more. Or I should say, you're going to have to respect that, that small ball even more, which will open up the, the mm-hmm. deep ball that's the correct way to say that okay all right right uh, it's how it's the holidays so i think that's something to watch too as long as patrick mahomes continues to feel comfortable doing that in those type of situations oh look they're playing me back oh there's an extra defender coming dump mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. eight yards that's gonna yeah. open up that the, the the deep ball for tyree kill and mccall hardman and and the other players as well my other marinated takeaway and, and i said that it was two-pronged and this is the other prong of AFC, watch out. This is an elite front. The defense somehow went to historically bad to elite. It's incredible to say that, but just watching Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and 
you have Frank Clark. But then as the game goes on and they insert Alex Okafor and Mike Dana and there's little drop off and these guys are just staying fresh throughout a game and you could keep Chris Jones fresh and the snap counts. I looked at PFF. It looked like he was playing almost evenly inside outside. You never know where Chris Jones is going to be. You never Mm -hmm. know what he's going to do. If he's fresh, he's coming at you. He is one of the best defensive linemen in the league, and he has really a supporting cast. You've seen Jaron Reed play better now that there's other Mm -hmm. decent players on the line. And so I just think that that makes the whole defense that that's sort of been confirmed in questions to Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew over the last two weeks. The key to this defense being good and the way it's designed with maybe not premium picks in the secondary, some solid linebacker play, but really investing in that defensive line is get to the quarterback, set the edge, and don't let a guy like Najee Harris end up ruining your day. And with the offense playing like this and the defense kind of holding up their end of the bargain, eventually these damn specialists will be off the COVID list. This is going to be the the toughest team to beat in the AFC bar none, even after some of their early struggles in the season. And I I think the, the elite play of the front four is the key point there. Well, I think you could even make the, co- the case that they're already the team to beat in the AFC uh, right now because yeah. look what they did with so many key players on the sidelines on Sunday. Right. I mean, that to me is the most amazing part of it and that there's a lot of things that go into that. I talked about them, you know, playing undrafted players, uh, you know, and giving everybody opportunities to get on the field so that they can be ready to play in that kind of situation. And, you know, Veach is part of that. The coaches are part of that. But to me, that was the key thing we were going to learn in Sunday's game was how good the Chiefs' depth was. It and was good. Yeah. The answer is it's good. Just so like that's always shout a great out, thing to up, have. Our pal Cody Tapp. Creed is good. Creed is good. As, as It's an unbelievable campaign. I mean, even the Chiefs are now talking about it in their victory speech. So kudos to, to Cody and that crew for getting the Creed word out. And, and as Mac Jones continues to struggle, you're wondering if Creed Humphrey can start to fight off Jamar Chase for offensive rookie of the year. I don't think so, but we'll see. All right. Any other marinated takeaways, John? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is really a marinated takeaway, but I, I wanted to get this in the show. I'd like to thank oh. all the Chiefs fans, both in Kansas City and around the world, who have contributed their special ways to help the Chiefs maintain their streak. Mm. I didn't even realize it. But I okay. think I started rebuilding the beard about beard. the time the Chiefs started to win. Looks good. So I, I'm not sure I like it all that much, but I the can't scruff, shave it now. You know, scruff is the stuff. Right. Without, That's without right. going too far here, John, does the wife enjoy the, the scruff here? She does. She does. Okay. I'm I mean, not sure I like it much, but she likes it. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, um, as someone who's a little know, bit I, younger than you, I'll just tell you this. Happy wife, happy life. I mean, that's oh, something I, that you got to yeah, remember. I, I knew that. Jeez. Okay, good. And, okay. and the other thing is uh, I want to mention my son who has told me that he has learned that he has to have different socks for road games mm-hmm. and home games in yes. order to keep the Chiefs winning. Anything and that I know, you're doing, keep on doing. Yeah, right. Because as we have learned, I've forgotten where I learned this. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere I learned in that, that brain. Is, yeah, somewhere, I wish I could remember where, it's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> so let's just keep at it. It's only awkward fans. if you make it awkward. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we heard out of structure. We heard editors. And now it's the Great British Chiefs show as we turn towards the Cincinnati Bengals. They are. They are becoming a problem. And uh, they're coming at a problem at the wrong time, really, for the Chiefs because... They're playing some fun football, yeah. and it's not—it's not often you can say that about quite you know a lot of the teams in the NFL. Fun football is what everybody gets drawn to, and yeah. I think the Bengals have gone under the radar a little bit this year, mm-hmm. even though they played fantastic football. Yeah, they have—they've had a mixed bag of results. There's there's games that they probably should have won, they didn't win, but it almost feels like this team is—is is, they're trying new things, they're trying different things each week, mm-hmm. and. Most of the time, it's 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 coming fruitful for them. Um, like I said, Zach Taylor, he understands it now. He seems to get it. It seems to have, have, have you know clicked in his mind now that this is how you use Joe Burrow. This is how you use this offense. Um, and I'm so glad as well that it, it, anybody who knows me, I I, I collect those uh, football cards, don't I? Right. Yeah. I bought Joe Burrow cards dirt cheap. Right. Rookie okay. cards. Right. And he's starting to play really well now. And I'm thinking, yes, this is a moneymaker now for me. (laughs) (laughs) I've got loads of them for next to nothing. Won't be worth as much as your Mahomes cards that you got. Um, If anyone wants to know Brad's address, just send me a DM. I'll let you know. You can send someone around to go raiding through his cupboards because he's got some some gems in his house that are worth quite a bit of money. Um, But no, with the Bengals, it all starts with the offense. And it starts obviously with Joe Burrow, but then... You look at the pass catching weapons that they have. They they're just yeah. they're just loaded from tight end all the way through to receiver. They've got Chase who's on eleven hundred and sixty three yards. T Higgins also one thousand yards. Tyler Boyd seven ninety two. Uzama who's on four sixty one as tight end. Like as a as a collective pass catching unit, they're one of the best in the league. Like yeah. all of them are capable of winning against man coverage at any one time. And when you've got a guy in Joe Burrow who's clearly not bothered about his receivers getting open, who will just throw it up to them and let them make a play and air the ball out. Obviously, it carries some risk if Joe Burrow has 14 interceptions this year, um, which isn't great, but also not awful. But they are getting results because the offense is scoring points. They are putting up a lot of points more recently, uh, certainly. So I, I watch this team and exciting offenses are the reason why we what a lot of new fans get into the NFL. And they remind me a little bit of the 2018 Chiefs. They're not quite as prolific as that. They're not yeah. obviously putting up the amount of points, but I'm seeing the amount of weapons that they have. And I'm like, okay, this is a fun team to watch. Well, adding that into the mix when you've got Joe Mixon as well. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, it's it's how do you you know how do you stop this team? It's again we've heard this this term before: pick your poison. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bengals kind of have at the moment. They've got yeah. this pick your poison kind of offense, haven't they? Where you know, do you try and stop the run, or do you? I mean, those those wide receivers they've got phenomenal. Like you said, Chase and and, and Higgins. It's just a fun fun offense to watch, and I think this game coming up with the Chiefs is going to be. It's going to be a brilliant game to watch, and it throw also into the mix that there's a lot riding on this for the Chiefs yeah, um, and the Bengals, huge game. Yeah. Huge and the game. Bengals as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Bengals are, uh, you know, are they still in the hunt? They're, they're, or are they're, they? Yeah, they're currently top of the AFC North, I think. So um, yeah, it's a huge game for them. They they want to get this result. I just find it funny that the Chiefs, that the NFL decided to flex Chiefs versus Broncos a few weeks ago. I'm sure. They wish they could have that one back and flex Chiefs yeah. Bengals into Sunday Night Football because they missed a trick here. They've done it a few years ago, if you remember rightly. In 2018, they flexed yeah. Chiefs Bengals into Sunday Night Football thinking it would be a close game. And then I think the Chiefs won like 45-10 or something crazy like that. I remember Kareem Hunt hurdling the guy and then getting pushed into the end zone or something like that. And actually, actually yeah. one of the few times actually the Chiefs played well in red and red. Um, but um, <laughs> You had to throw that in there, didn't you? Just a quick one. Uh, off topic you would have stopped listening to us months ago if you weren't here for the off topics um but there's been a lot of talk about like pro bowl and creed humphrey not making it which was just crazy he should have made it but that leads me quite nicely to like the offensive rookie of the year talk like a lot of chiefs fans believe that creed humphrey should win offensive rookie of the year he's the top greatest center by pff and a lot of people are saying that he has been the best center in football that's that's fine but it's looking likely that jamar chase is going to win offensive rookie of the year. And I just want to know where you you kind of s- stand on this particular uh, issue. It's that age-old thing, isn't it? That sexy football wins things. Yeah. Um, and, and Chase is playing the sexy football. I mean, you know, nobody looks at the centre, really. Do you? Nobody really looks at the centre and thinks, you know, that that's where games are won and lost. They see the flash plays from the likes of Chase, you know, wide receiver plays, amazing catches, you know, sprints down the sideline, you know, you, Clearly, Chase is going to win it, isn't he? No, but who do you think should win it? I think Creed Humphrey should. Okay. But I don't know if that's me being biased because of... Uh, it absolutely being is fan. you being biased. <laughs> it absolutely is the Chiefs' kingdom being biased because if fortunes or roles were reversed and the Bengals had Creed Humphrey and we had Jamar Chase putting up 1,163 yeah. yards and 10 touchdowns, there is no way in hell the Chiefs' kingdom would sit here and accept a centre winning rookie of the year over him. <laughs> it absolutely it's sexy is football, Sorry? Sexy football wins out. Yeah, I, Creed Humphrey has been elite and he probably has been the... Well, he hasn't been the most impactful rookie. He, he's had a huge impact. But mm. Jamal Chase to the Bengals and especially to Joe Burrow has just like opened things up. Like when he got drafted, everyone was saying, oh, why didn't they take a tackle? Why are they taking a wide receiver? It's almost like the whole running back. Why have you drafted a running back type chat? Yeah. You need to protect Joe Burrow first. You do not see what happened to his knee last year. But those people were wrong because protection's kind of been holding up a little bit for the Bengals and the Burrow to Jake Chase uh, connection pretty much picked up from where they left off at LSU. They've been they've been phenomenal together. And I think Jamal Chase will win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I think it's probably well-deserved. And if Chiefs Kingdom wants to cancel me now, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, you know, if, if, they, if they're awarding that to a centre, 
it's uh, it's like nah, isn't it? I suppose. I, I think that's the, I think that's what the rest of the NFL fan bases would look at and go nah, it's a centre. He shouldn't yeah. have really won it. But, um, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's been brilliant since he'd come in. And especially the fact that he's got Trey Smith right next to him yeah. as well, which um, he's another one that a lot of Chiefs fans are probably throwing into the mix as an offensive rookie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, sexy football. You can't deny it, mate. At least Mac Jones it. isn't going to win it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> How, can I just ask while we're on that? I know we're going completely off uh, off track here from the uh, the actual Bengals game, but Mac Jones... Where's this come from that he is an elite quarterback at the moment? Did you watch the Where, games well, on there? <laughs> yeah, but, not, yeah, yeah. He's but, not an elite quarterback at the moment. Like he's not. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It, it's like where's this coming from? It's suddenly it's like he's like, like the you know the second coming of Christ. You know, he seems to be, you know, everything that the Patriots wanted. And I'm like thinking, really? I I, I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Are you, are you saying like that the draft card is like the the football version of the Holy Grail? <laughs> uh, um, no, we shouldn't go religious on this podcast because some people won't appreciate it. Um, but um, no, I don't get the Mac Jones thing. I think he's solid. I, I do. I think he's playing well, but overall he's been pretty uninspiring. I think the Patriots yeah. offense is pretty uninspiring. Yes, their defense is good. But um, I don't think with Mac Jones at quarterback, as it stands, they can compete just yet. Obviously, in a few years' time, that might change. He's still only a rookie. But right now, the Patriots look like the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC. And part of that is the offense. Like I was actually cheering the Patriots on on Sunday night against, yeah, the, Bills, uh, against the Bills because – People go, oh, why can't you cheer on? The, why are you cheering on the Patriots? Like, you can't do that. We hate the Patriots. Yeah, but I also am scared of the Bills. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just, the Bills are a team that are built to beat the Chiefs. Remember, that's what they did last off season. They mm-hmm. built their team to get past Kansas City. And in Week Four, whenever it was, we played early in the year. It worked. They absolutely destroyed the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yes, they've had their trouble since and had some stinkers. Obviously, losing to the Jags uh, sticks out more than any. But they're starting to right their wrongs a little bit now and they're putting themselves in the mixture. And the Bills are the last team I want the Chiefs to play in, in the AFC playoffs. Yes, the Chiefs are a great team. I think they're the most complete team in football at the moment. But it's it's hard to beat a team when they're specifically designed to beat you. Thankfully, the Chiefs have kind of like altered the way they're playing at the moment and they're finding more success. But still, the Bills scare the living daylights out of me and I really wish that the Patriots would have beaten them on Sunday and eliminated them or borderline eliminated them from playoff contention. The, the, the thing I'm most scared of is I don't want to face the Patriots and uh, lose against the Patriots in the playoffs. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean? Chiefs- it's like... The only way the Chiefs would lose to the Patriots is if we happened to play them in Foxborough and the weather was crap and Bill Belichick pulled off one of his masterful game plans. But that's not going to happen. The Chiefs are going to be playing at Arrowhead in the playoffs. The, the Patriots won't even get a chance to play the Chiefs in the playoffs. They'll be one and done. Should we get back to the game? <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the ball, on the Bengals, uh, I mean, again, they, they, they've got a devastating pass rush as well, mm-hmm. which we cannot get. We, we you know, we cannot uh, get our heads around at the minute because... You know, we've we've talked before about this Chiefs uh, edge rush that we've got, and and how it seems to have really kind of clicked a lot more uh, ever since Ingram joined in. Um, but the Bengals have got Hendrickson, Hendrickson and Hubbard, who have combined this season for like twenty one and a half sacks. Mm. It's one thing to have a really good offense, like we've mentioned with the Bengals, but when they've also got a good pass rush as well. Yeah, 
I mean, that's a scary prospect, isn't it? Well, it complements, isn't it? A good passing offense is complemented by a good passing defense. Yeah. And when they work in tandem, like the Bengals seem to work, it, it results in in winning football games. Yes, Trey Hendrickson's been a problem. He was a problem when he was at the Saints. He was a phenomenal player there. He had a great game against the Chiefs last year, I remember rightly. Um, and then obviously he's gone to the Bengals and lit things up. He got paid and he's he's got 14 sacks in the season. I think he's only behind, what, Miles Garrett and... TJ Watt are the only two players ahead of him. So he's he's yeah. he's having a hell of a year. But the Chiefs' strength is in the offensive line at the moment, even with the yeah. tackles who are. Andrew Wiley done a great job against albeit an injured TJ Watt. He done well on, on Sunday. Uh, Orlando Brown's coming to his own. And um, we have running backs that seem prepared to help out in pass protection. And we have a quarterback that is happy to roll out and make plays out of structure. So yes, the pass rush is a problem, but the Chiefs have shown more on more than enough occasions this year that they are happy to deal with it. The problem the Chiefs have had has, has been more so in coverage and with players mm. trying to get open, not necessarily the pass rush. This isn't the same offense that we rolled out in the Super Bowl last year where it was all pass rush. That was the, the thing that killed the Chiefs. Yeah. It's not been that that's been killing the Chiefs. It hasn't been sacks. It hasn't been those type of negative plays. It's been on the other side that where it's happened. So, yes, I should be a little bit worried, but overall, I'm not. I still fancy the Chiefs' offense to put up points against this Bengals' defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing as well from the Bengals' defensive side, they've got some of the best tacklers there as well in the linebacking. Uh, linebackers and safeties as well, which mm-hmm. uh, when you look at their stats, you know, they, they've, they've really kind of... They're a solid unit. They're obviously not individual numbers that are like sky high, but as a solid unit. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that I think the Chiefs need to be, be wary of, especially if they're trying to use the run game a bit more in the, against this defense, because they do tackle. They do get to the run, uh, the running backs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs handle this, because it almost is like looking at it in a mirror with, like you said before about the, uh, the you know, the, the Chiefs, 2018 Chiefs. They do mm. look like the Bengals are turning a corner and they do look like they are. They are putting forward a, a a decent team that can actually do well in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and seeing how that is, and and you know how the Chiefs are now, and how they've managed to overcome what they've overcome this season, um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. And uh, I think it's going to be quite a high scoring one. Um, yeah. So do I. I. I'm. I. I really like the Chiefs' defense at the moment, even with the Bengals and all their passing um, options. I do fancy Steve Spagnuolo against a still very young offense in the the Bengals having a very young quarterback. And yes, Joe Burrow has played some great defensive uh, coordinators. Obviously, he plays in the AFC North, which has Mm. three great defensive coordinators in that division and three on their day, very good defenses. And they've done quite well against them. But Steve Spagnuolo is kind of special against young quarterbacks. And uh, I fancy him to bring a little bit uh, mix and match everything this Sunday and everyone should be back by then. Nick Bolton should be back in the team. Um, obviously, um, Tyron Matthew looks like he's going to be uh, playing as well. There's no concerns with his injury and Rashad Fenton should be coming back from the COVID list. Mm-hmm. So I do trust the Chiefs defence to do enough. And and like like I said earlier, I trust... I, I, I just can't see how you can't not get excited about this Chiefs offence when they play as well as they did without Travis Kelsey. And yeah. the fact that Travis Kelsey's coming back into it and we've seen Byron Pringle now evolve into this WR3 or WR2 that we wanted. We've got yeah. rid of the false WR2. It's now Byron Pringle. We've got guys <laughs> getting involved. I, I think I think the Chiefs will have a bit too much. And obviously they've got the the added bonus as well of Andy Reid and um, uh, his experience that he brings. I think the big thing to watch is Mahomes, right? And I think you brought up 
something there with the Patriots where you said, hey, you're still little brother. We're still big brother. I wonder if we're going to have one of the vintage Mahomes to just let Joe Burrow know, hey, you've been nice, but I'm still a king. Like, like I'm going to let you know where this thing is like, you're not close to me. And 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 I, and I think Pat has that in him. And I don't know. We 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 have not seen a full stretch. We got a quarter against the Chargers of Pat just looking like full, but we haven't seen a full game of Pat just just you know killing a team. Maybe since maybe the Raiders, uh, but but like those games. But we haven't like I I want to see that. To just let Joe know, hey, Doug, you, you're nice, but you're not up here. Like, I am still the man. I am still the king. I'm still Ric Flair. Like, chill out. Chill out. I, w- I hope to see that from Pat. Remember early on this season, Ron, we were having a lot of conversations. This was during their struggles about, man, how much do you really trust this team? Like, are they going to be able to get this thing back on track? Or is this just going to be a year that's that's just strange? And the big point that I think you made, I made, a lot of Chiefs fans were making at the time is like, the Chiefs are going to be fine because the worst part of their team right now is Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes is the worst part of your team, I think eventually you're going to be able to figure this thing out. Well, over his last six games, he's completing 68% of his passes for 300 yards per game with 13 touchdowns and three interceptions. Boys, Patrick Mahomes is back, like all the way back. And we saw that completely last week. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not good. But what Patrick Mahomes did to them was what Patrick Mahomes did to him did to them in his first year as a starter. Uh, when he just, that was like one of his coming out parties against the Steelers. I, I have never had this much confidence in Patrick Mahomes going into the late portion of the season. And yes, that includes like the MVP season. And the reason why is because I think he's mastered where he's at right now as a quarterback. There is nothing you can put out there that he hasn't seen. He had one defense that flummoxed him in this Chiefs offense for the first 10 weeks of the season. And since then... You know who the best team in the NFL is against two high safeties, Ron, over the last six weeks? It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. There's nobody that's beating it better than the Chiefs have been over the last six weeks. The thing that was supposed to be... Exactly. You know what the thing was supposed to be that was the Mahomes beater? It was that defense. Now there's nothing. There's nothing that you can go to that's like, okay, yeah, but we can stump them with this. He's seen it all. He's beat it all. And now he overcame the final boss of the 2021 season defense wise. And man, I, I, Cincinnati runs a little bit of everything and they're going to throw a bunch of stuff at him. I think he's going to have a huge game against the Bengals this week. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll send this to Serta. I, I, cause I'm sure he will disagree with me. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I feel like he's all the way, but I, like, Really? Yeah, like I like I've I've got confidence in him, but this isn't like I don't feel like I'm at all right peak Pat Mahomes time right now. Like there's still some like that Chargers game, man. I, I think the, the the final quarter was beautiful, but he he couldn't read things. Like he, I mean, he was missing things. He was missing throws. 
Like that, that, there was some things in there where you're like, "What the hell is going on?" Like he is a part of 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 losing this game, and there's there's still just even in the Pittsburgh game, right? They're, and they're beating the hell out of these the, the Steelers and the Raiders before the Chargers. Still, something's just off, right? There's something is something is just to me a tad bit off. But they're they're, they're like they're kicking field goals, like they kicked six field goals in the last two weeks. Which you know, when when I'm thinking about the Chiefs, it just like what like when I think of Pat Mahomes at his peak of what you're talking about, it was just easy. And yeah, Randy, I'm calling him Pat. Okay, when I think about him at his peak, it was just it was easy, and they could just march and do things. And I'm not saying they're not getting, but there's still something something that's just off. He looked better in the red zone. He made a, like the touchdown to, to Pringle was was nasty. Looked like him. But there's still some level of consistency that is that is not quite at the peak of Mahomes. What I would think of the past two years, when I think like this dude consistently, like it would feel like Mahomes, like the last two years, every time they got the ball, it felt like they're going to score a touchdown. They may not, but it felt like that. It felt like they were that consistent. Where it felt like that. I'm still there's still some points where it's. It's lacking, and like they kicked four field goals last yeah, week. But okay, but th- they didn't have Travis Kelsey last week, so like <laughs> I, I think that I, what you're saying about the Chargers game, like I totally agree with. But that fourth had them quarter, all that, game. that fourth quarter was when okay, screw this, I'm Patrick Mahomes. We're we're not losing this football game. And I think that was a legitimate turning point for him in the season. And I understand that the Kansas City Chiefs are on an eight-game win streak. And the reason they've turned this thing around is because top to bottom, they just started playing better as a team. But I still think we, yeah, there's still things that are being left on the table for the Kansas City Chiefs. But what made me so confident in that performance last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers was I felt like it was the first time all season long where he just said, I'm just going to do whatever I want in this game. And he was just doing whatever he wanted, making absurd throws and just absolutely demoralizing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they did leave some stuff on the table. Like Josh Gordon dropped two touchdown catches. Like, and again, your boy is struggling, man. Yeah. (laughs) And those, and you know, and maybe some of that was on Mahomes. I tend to put it more on Josh Gordon in that circumstance, but I think that having Kelsey back this week, I think that the confidence level that he showed in that Pittsburgh Steelers game in saying, okay, I've got the confidence again to just make the throws, get outside the pocket, do that, and then still operate within the offense when it's there for me. Like that was the most confident level of play. I feel like I've seen from him all season long. And so headed into this football game, with Travis Kelsey back, Tyreek Hill back, and hopefully they've got their legs underneath them. You know, they they talked about this week how Tyreek was kind of worn down because of COVID. So as long as those guys are healthy and Mahomes is operating at this level, I, I think that I am fully confident that he is back and this is the high-level Mahomes that we all expect to see. Yeah, I also I, just think we're, we're spoiled, Ron. Like 2018, we're just probably not going to see that again. And I, I know that's tough for Chiefs fans to hear, but like what you're watching right now is still the best offense in the NFL. I know the Bengals are getting all the hype this week off, off of what they did a week ago, but 
The Chiefs right now, second in the league in passing yards. They're first in first down so far this season. They're first in scoring percentage. More of the Chiefs' drives finishing uh, scores than any other team in the league. They're at 48% right now. They're first in plays per drive, yards per drive, and points per drive. This is still the best offense in the NFL, despite all of the struggles that took place early on in the season. And that's in large part because Patrick Mahomes is back. And it looks different than it did early on in his career. You're 100% correct, Ron. But in some ways, this is probably the evolution of what we should have expected from Mahomes. He's not going to put up video games his entire video game numbers his entire career. It's going to start looking more not identical to Tom because they go about it in such unbelievably different ways. But he's going to find a way where this is what I need to do to win. And I think he's got there this year. And I'm just going to do that in order to get these wins. And I think you saw that against the Chargers. I think you saw that last week against the Steelers. I think you're going to see it again this week against the Bengals. He's going to do whatever it is that's required for his team to win that individual week. Yeah, I, listen, I'm not I'm not saying this isn't no one's saying that this isn't a, a great offense and a good offense and that they they like this offense isn't playing better. Uh, you said Mahomes is back. And when you say back, I'm judging that off of like the greatness that he has shown. And yes, I, I, I agree with you. That was a, that I think that was a turning point, the fourth quarter against the chargers, but still like, if we're going to say back, like I, I'm not forgetting his last two games, the first three quarters, he was on his way to losing the game for the chiefs when he had his full complement of weapons, missing throws all over the place, throwing the ball into a ground, not reading guys that are wide open in the end zone, that not even I mean he was struggling in the first three quarters and then the next game they kicked four field goals right like I'm like I'm not to that point to think all right he's back I got confidence in Patrick Mahomes I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game but I'm talking the last two weeks what he has shown and what has happened does not put me in the point to just say my man's back because that's not comparative to the 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 best of Mahomes. I'm not looking for him to put up video game numbers. I'm just saying we are still two weeks removed from on fourth and fourth and goal from the one, him throwing the ball into the ground with with a receiver standing wide open. I'm still removed. I blame McCall for that. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. All right, we can blame McCole for being wide open on the two point <laughs> conversion, and Pat just not even not even. He wasn't prepared for that. He he didn't think he was going to run the right route. Let's be honest. He was shocked. He okay. was shocked. Sure, that one, that that two, all of it, or the pick he threw at the two, like all of that. Like I, when that player just showed him that earlier in the game, right? And and, and so I like the Mahomes at the peak. I know is not kicking four field goals, and I and I'll. I'll say three because one of them happened when Chad Henney came in the game and fumbled the first snap. But so at least three field goals while he's in the game, Pat Mahomes at his peak. I, I'm not saying it. I, I have confidence in him and the offense. And I think they're playing much better than they did in the 13 to seven game against the Packers or how they did earlier. But uh, peak back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of that. You had the ups and downs of Patrick Mahomes this year, which was uncommon. I mean, he was the cream of the crop and really without argument from 2018 to 2020, where there seemed to be some struggles this year. What have you seen in Patrick Mahomes and are Chiefs fans right in feeling, okay, 
this is the Patrick Mahomes we're used to in their performances against the Raiders and the Steelers. And can they feel comfortable, in your opinion, of Patrick Mahomes being, quote, unquote, back in, in a sense? Well, yeah, and I would say it's really more about the team. Um, yeah. You know, one, one thing that Brett Feach and, uh, you know, Coach Reed have done a great job of is the real challenge is um, building on the fly, rebuilding on the fly. Um, it, and I learned firsthand in the form of years of my career, Pete, working for Coach Parcells. Uh, in 1996, the New York Jets spent more money than anybody in football and won one game. And we mm -hmm. got there in 1997, Coach Parcells, Coach Belichick. I was fortunate enough to be hired. And I saw firsthand what it meant to have a culture, to have a winning program. And I think the day that Andy Reid walked into that building, that became the standard. It could have been Alex Smith and obviously now the great Patrick Mahomes, who obviously has, you know, greatness, Pete. But the reason I bring that up is the standards are the standards. And what's really hard is – as Patrick has gotten his well-deserved extension, other players are going to graduate. It's just the math, right. uh, be it Sammy Watkins or whomever. So when you go out and draft Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and you sign Joe Tooney, those things don't happen overnight. Orlando Brown doesn't happen overnight. There are growing pains. And as mm -hmm. great as Patrick is, and to me, the definition of greatness, Pete, is make those around you better. Yeah. It's going to take a minute. But – I think the growing pains of September and October will serve them well come December and January. I do want to ask you about that offensive line because I, I think quarterbacks get a lot of attention when they're on their rookie deal, but you have Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Lucas Niang. Niang probably more of a question than the other guy just because he missed that year, but he's coming into his own battling some injuries. How much of an advantage is just having those three guys locked up on what would be a rookie deal for the next three, four years here? Oh, it's massive. It's, 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 it's huge. It just, um, just allows you to go do other things like go get Joe Tooney and yeah. you know, Joe graduates from the Patriots and they can sign him. So, um, you can't pay them all. That's just, it's right. algebra. You can't pay them all. And Patrick Mahomes is going to retire Kansas city chief. You don't negotiate with Patrick Mahomes. You just pay the bill. You just find out how much <laughs> it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah. And then other, other players are going to graduate and you have to do what they did, which is go with young players at certain positions um, and I'm as excited to talk about the other side of the ball. I love Gay and Bolton. I think yeah. they're really good underrated linebackers. Yeah. Have you ever seen or do you ever recall seeing anything like the 2021 Chiefs defense when they were just uh, so poor uh, at the beginning of the year and just to have the, the turnaround uh, that they did and really stemming from what was, as you were saying, a lot of these younger players? Yeah, well, it's because they're led by UMass educated Steve Spagnola. I mean, that's really the only reason <laughs> yes. they're having any success on defense whatsoever. No, I, I, I love Spags. He's a good man. He did go to UMass. Um, look, I, I'm, I, I really think that when you watch the Chiefs and break them down in a meaningful way, it, it, and you know, I'm guilty as charged, right? I'm on ESPN, and right. It's quarterbacks, it's offense, it's point scoring. That's what's one of the many things that makes our sport so grandiose. But when you really break it down in an honest and sober way, the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, those three teams have great defenses. And it, it's not the headlines. And I think also having Ingram there sliding Chris Jones back inside has helped. Uh, I think Sneed and Ward are somewhat underrated, although I think they're starting to get some publicity. But I think it's because it's a lot of the young players, and to me most notably – it's Bolton and Gay that because they could run, 
I think that's where they, that's where we've seen a lot of the improvement and obviously health, you know, when you have Frank Clark and Chris Jones out there with him and Ingram doesn't have to be an A, he's not an A anymore. He's probably a B minus if we're being honest, Right. but it's another pass rusher that takes some of the load off of those other two guys. So I think it's been personnel improvement. I think it's been coaching improvement and I, I, again, to me, what's going to be so fun about the next month, Pete, is those three teams with headline quarterbacks actually have very good defenses. Right, right. And I, I think the thing I like about the Chiefs defense is it just feels so complete right now. You have your stars in Matthew and Jones and Clark, but before I, I think it was like these guys need to play well. Now that they are, you're starting to see, I think, the other defenders on that unit take advantage and, and play better. I want to ask you about Ingram in particular. You had mentioned it yourself, but that deal, is that uncommon to see an AFC team give another AFC team such a, a piece? What did you make of that trade, given all your experience on that side? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Pete. I would say sometimes it, you make trades of convenience, which is maybe that was the highest bidder. And yeah. if you were going to cut him, you're going to say, you know what, I hate seeing this guy go to Kansas City, but – we're going to cut him, so let's get what we can get for him. Got it. Yeah, and my goodness, it, it's been such an advantage. We'll see what, what happens with that six-rounder that the Steelers were able to get back. The AFC as a whole, I mean, the way that it's kind of going right now, it seems a little bit like the Kansas City Chiefs and everybody else when it comes to, I think, a complete team. In your estimation, uh, you cover the entire league here. Who's the biggest playoff threat, do you think, to the Chiefs? The Chiefs already clinched the AFC West. They're going to host a home playoff game. Who who would you, if you were a Kansas City Chiefs fan, who would who would worry you the most and, and why right now? Um, I would say if healthy, if healthy, mm-hmm. probably Tennessee because yeah. they have the best, you know, kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes and Derrick Henry, you know, where basically they're going to say, hey, Coach Reed, we're going to hand the ball to this guy. You know it, we know it, and here we <laughs> right. come. And it reminds me of the great Jet teams I were on where we got to back-to-back championship games yep. and we we ran it, our opponents who we were going to run it, and they still couldn't stop it. And if he's healthy, that's the one team to me that could go in on a cold, blustery day in January and, 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 and you know, maybe Buffalo, but I think right. Buffalo has a fatal flaw this year. No one's talking about this. You know, they just beat New England. They gave up five and a half yards a, game, a carry this game. Jonathan Taylor was someone they couldn't stop. And obviously New England ran the ball, but for three plays against Buffalo up there. And one of the things I've learned in my experience, there's some things you can fix in season. We already talked about some of the younger pieces that Kansas City has. I don't think you could fix the run defense. Star low to Lillet is not the same player. Tremaine Edmonds really hasn't gotten better. So I think a team, if they attack Buffalo patiently, can really – I, I, I think Buffalo is going to struggle in the playoffs because of it. 